Alright, people. Oh my god. It's anime death spiral again? That's right. Oh shit, again. It's anime death spiral, the only anime podcast personally endorsed by two-time World Series champion Jose Canseco. Uh, he's a weird guy, but uh, you know what? We can't turn, we cannot turn down fans at this point. We, I cannot afford to do that. Uh, we'll take whoever we could get. Uh, <laughs> oh, we've we've sunk to yeah, that. Yeah, that's point. right. All right. Okay, I can get on board with this. All right, let me uh, let me realign yeah, yeah. a little in, bit. In the spirit right. of that, uh, we're doing we're desperately doing everything to reorient our show to some valuable content. <laughs> uh, we have been pursuing uh, something we have been talking about: live action anime adaptation hall. We have been chipping away. I know I watched one. I know you watched one. You watched two, in fact. Uh, I watched three if we want to get into it, but I, Holy you know, shit. <laughs> uh, but I feel like one of them is better saved for a more in-depth look than, uh, if you're a, uh, dedicated listener of this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Jose. Uh, no need to expound on that. So you watched, you watched Tomie and Full Metal Alchemist. I watched Full Metal Alchemist. And actually okay. a couple minutes of the Mob Psycho uh, live action before I realized I actually have seen it before, but it was so <laughs> bad. I, bl- I mentally wiped myself uh, Men in Black style to forget that that happened. Uh, I heard that that is many, uh, that that is a similar story for many people who watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what I was alluding to before is I did, for the sake of timeliness, I did watch the One Piece live action premiere, but we're going to hold off on that for a little bit, uh, work up to it with some of these other live action stuff that, uh, we've dipped our toes in. Yeah. Leave it, leave it well enough alone. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, But, but, but I did watch it and, uh, boy, do I have feelings. Uh, yeah, I uh, bet you do. but, But to start off, um, tell me. Tell me what you thought of the Full Metal Alchemist live action movie. Uh, Number one, because there's actually three of them. There are actually three of them. Not that uh, anybody involved in the first one knew about. (laughs) They were were blissfully unaware that they were going to end up with a trilogy, obviously. Man, you you know, I have in the past, you know, watched some of these. Like I said, I watched the Rurouni Kenshin ones. And I believe last episode, I did mention the Unholy Trinity, did I not? You did, yeah. Let's see. Bad hair, bad mm-hmm. costumes, mm-hmm. bad CGI. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know what? This movie has some surprising developments when it comes to the Unholy Trinity. Uh, obviously, uh, bad hair. Bad hair is all over this. 90% of the cast is in wigs for some reason. Not all the characters even need wigs. You say for some reason. You say for some reason, but 90% of anime hair cannot exist in a natural state like that has to be taken as a given right of course of course i'm not talking about that i'm talking about characters who just have like regular hair they've they've just thrown a wig on these people as well uh you know obviously ed edward eduardo has to have a wig eduardo t alchemist (laughs) yes eduardo t alchemist has stupid hair he needs to have a wig on and in fact yeah uh, if if my eyes did not deceive me he had at least three different wigs uh for different shots (laughs) uh there was a wig for shooting him from the back of the head 
There was mm-hmm. a wig for shooting him during the action scenes, and there was mm-hmm. a wig for shooting him straight on. Uh, I mean, that <laughs> kind of makes sense to me, you know. Uh, he's, oh, of course. Like of course. you said, he has weirdo hair. He's got kind of like the he has a braided ponytail with kind of like the dual uh, like Aerith hair tufts <laughs> yes. that hang down. What are in those? Front of his what face. are those? Can we? Can we? Uh, we got to call I them. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. I've just been calling them them uh Aerith curves. Ear ear fringe. Yeah, ear fringe. In ear fringe. Uh with mm-hmm. loose bangs. Um and oh, yes. You know what it is? Uh, uh they that is that scene from There's Something About Mary where oh, Cameron no. Diaz uh puts <laughs> puts jizz in her hair. Okay. Uh <laughs> It's that thing. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess. Boy, it's been a while since I watched that movie. Yeah, I think that Ben Stiller would rather have everybody forget about There's Something About Mary. You know, at the time, we really thought it was going to be like a, a lasting cultural comedy. A lot of people thought that. Hey, remember when she put the semen in her hair? The cum in her hair thing. I don't know why, but people really thought that that was like the funniest thing they'd ever seen. <laughs> the funniest shit I've ever seen, bro. Yeah, you know, we there there is a whole conversation to have about like the sediments of weird American comedies because like I really feel like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite was a huge American comedy turning point. Uh <laughs> and it's a uh, no one's going back for that one. No, no one. I've I've genuinely been thinking about giving that a rewatch. Really? Recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Specifically because it was such a weird, like, cultural wave, right? It was the first, like, alt comedy that pierced the mainstream membrane. And it was, like, everybody was on a love it or hate it side. Uh, it was extremely divisive. It is uh, bizarre. If you remember. Yes, I do remember. I remember because like people would watch it in computer class. Well, I think that I think Napoleon Dynamite specifically appealed to a lot of weird insular kids from our generation that felt uh, sane by a weird comedy for the first time. Right. <laughs> I, I guess. It's not like that was the first weird comedy movie, though. Uh, yeah, but it was the first meme one, you know. It was definitely one of the first meme comedies in in our in our American landscape, for sure. I, I think I would. Agree I think with you that. have to view it through that lens to understand why it was why it had such mass appeal uh, with our age range. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, non non cartoon meme movie. I think. Because we were well past, like, Beavis and Butthead Take America, right? I mean, I do love that movie a lot. Yeah, and that was pretty pretty meme-y. I mean, people were doing the fucking Cornholio thing, like, every day of my life as a child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, one of my earliest memories is my mom saying that I wasn't allowed to watch the Beavis and Butthead (laughs) Christmas special. (laughs) That's, That's where she drew the line. Yeah. Anyway, we watched Full Metal Alchemist, the live action movie. Yeah. Uh, the movie full of wigs. Now, here's here's where it got a little divisive to me. Not all the costumes were bad. Really? I have to say, I thought some of the costumes were like okay. They were all right. Uh, obviously, no. the Gestapo costumes were they were very <laughs> costumey. 
Uh, I hated all of those. They really looked like off the rack cosplay shit. Okay, now now I'm gonna be totally upfront with you. I had actually I didn't watch this recently. I had seen the full Metal Alchemist movie already from several years before. Wow. Yeah. Liar. I know. I know. Uh, coming clean me. here. Uh, in in the spirit of camaraderie of honesty, uh, I, I want to be totally open here. I I have seen it, just not for several years. Yeah, but everybody knows that your brain has dissolved. Uh, it's true. I do have the memory of Swiss yeah, cheese. You, you are barely functioning. Uh, I have smoked away my higher motor functions. Yeah. Every scene of Memento, you had to be reminded what the previous scene was. <laughs> but but i do remember that i was thoroughly unimpressed with the costume so please explain to me which ones you thought looked good i'm not saying they were super impressive okay i'm just saying i was pleasantly surprised uh about how not garbage some of them were such as uh i thought ed's ed's stupid little costume thing like for the most part the gloves were terrible um i think shooting people in gloves uh is difficult in general so i'm i'm not i don't want to sound like too much of a hater there i think gloves are difficult to shoot well okay so gloves in animation are basically just an extension of the character's skin right yeah they're just they're mickey mouse shit. always portrayed as as skin tight <laughs> they, or, they are or if they are cartoonish style gloves then they are basically treated as their hand being that shape hey, like hey, mickey mouse sometimes when uh they drop like a big chunk of the budget on a scene you'll see somebody take the gloves off well yeah and that's fully that's fully articulated Especially with mm-hmm. their mouth, you usually take gloves off with your teeth. Sure. Uh, in the anime context. I mean, often your other hand has been blown off for some reason or not. Yeah, usually. And you need to cast your, like, magic seal or whatever. Yeah. But, I, you know, the scenes where we got close-ups of his glove were a little embarrassing. But I think they did a good job with the coat. I think one of the funny things is okay, they... Actually, can I can I just inter- interject real okay, quick? Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it, it, you just <laughs> made me realize that in Helsing... Uh, when when he takes off his magical gloves that like uh, you know keep his power dampened, uh, <laughs> he's literally taking the kid gloves off. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, nobody said anything in Helsing is subtle. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go um, on. But it, it is unfortunate we have a lot of close-ups of Ed's hands. He spends a lot mm-hmm. of time looking at that stupid watch he carries around. Uh, which is placed well, that in and, like his thing is that he does alchemy with his hands. That's like why he's famous. Yes, but they don't like to zoom in on the hands when he's doing it because like a lot of stuff is happening in the scene and they really want the focus to be on the CGI and you cannot zoom in on the CGI or everything will fall apart. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, one mean, of the... we both just watch Cobweb. Uh, so we'd know we know how yeah. true that is hey they did a really good job uh not shooting most of the the cgi in that movie keeping it off screen <laughs> but you know i think the coat was okay it looked pretty good he had a he had the actor did a good job of keeping the coat uh you know swishy uh which you want obviously from any coat and uh one thing i really respect is them truly downplaying the stupid sigil you know that ridiculous sigil they all have uh, I don't oh, even know how to the, describe uh, it. 
the uh Kabbalah graffiti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he has prominently displayed on the back of his trench coat, his red yes. trench coat. Uh, they yes. yeah, they really downplay that, which I appreciate because it looks stupid in in live action. It looks very dumb. I mean, it was recently pointed out to me online how much like uh, anime magic systems, not just from Full Metal Alchemist, but in general, like full on are just like fantasy like literal interpretations of of kabbalah mysticism <laughs> yes i know i know there's this <laughs> they refuse to acknowledge that they're coming from like jewish mysticism but they will right. just full-on borrow symbology straight out of the text uh but you know what I-, I give them the benefit of the doubt i doubt they even know where it comes from i bet they just saw it somewhere Okay, that brings us to the third prong, the CGI. Uh-huh. Now here, yeah. again, this is, a, again, a real mixed bag because I thought uh, Alfonso looks pretty good in a lot of the scenes. Um, he doesn't do very much, but you know what? Like, there's a scene where uh, he's out in the rain, and that's very brave of the, the director to put that scene in there because um, they're doing, lo- like, serious rendering on on the rain hitting the armor and we're getting like full-on face shots and we're seeing the rain well i mean but if anything the the rain hitting the armor can only serve to mask the uh the subpar cgi rendering of his model itself right i mean yeah you cover up a little bit of the lighting issues but i'm saying like for the most part i think he looked pretty naturalistic uh i think they did a yeah for the most part but there's more than one scene in that movie where you get full-on like unadulterated shots of what his 3d model looks like and it's not great once you you know uh, you do have to stop and pause i'm I'm not gonna lie this is a bit of a nitpick but like <laughs> it's not top tier stuff right you know I, it was like i said it's a mixed bag i think there are scenes where he looks a little uncanny valley but there are also scenes where i think they're pulling it off i will say um uh, if you're unfamiliar there is a, a full-on man-faced dog uh that shows up and it straight up looks like Scooby-Doo from the Scooby-Doo movie, uh, which is not good. It does not look good. <laughs> well, that's actually, that brings up a point that I wanted to make, and that is the amount of story that this movie tries to cover. Yeah, um, yeah. It's two and a half hours long. Yes. It, yeah. It, it is hefty. And even then, it feels so incredibly truncated and rushed with the amount of... If you're familiar with the story, right? With the amount of stuff that they try to cover. They essentially cover the first quarter of a hundred-plus chapter manga uh, into a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. From my memory, they cover everything from the introduction of the Elric brothers in Lenore... Uh, hunting down uh, the cult leader, um, right? That's the first scene, uh, yes. Yeah, all the way up to uh, the assault on L- the Secret Laboratory 5 with, like, the zombie homunculi uh, cyclops dudes. Yes, that is uh, the first climax of the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, which I should mention is, like, uh, I don't know, 45 chapters of the manga. <laughs> It's it's a lot. And and the way that the movie handles it is hilarious because uh like 
my compatriots who watched it with me pointed out in the last 10 minutes. This movie could be exactly the same. You you could do every single story beat that is part of the main story of, of the movie uh, without Ed or Al ever showing up. They play uh, literally no no important part to anything well, that, that okay, happens yes, in that the is, story. That was a huge thing is in the truncated version of the movie story, Ed basically has no agency. He is led around from plot point to plot point by another character at every turn of the of the story. He gets damseled. Uh, um, yeah. Oh two, yeah. Two times. Whereas obviously in the manga and anime, he has much more time to kind of work things out for himself. You know, um, if I remember correctly, there. So the dog-faced uh, homunculi, <laughs> the whole Show Tucker arc, where the Elrics meet a government alchemist who's trying to make an intelligent chimera, right? Which is like an animal that's been, or, or several animals that have been fused together by alchemy. A man-faced dog. Yes, a, a Scooby-Doo, if you will. A Scooby-Doo, but more man-faced. I, I, I have to point out, like, the man-faced dog, I, I don't know if you would it qualifies as a yokai, but that is, a, that is like, a thing. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's-her-name was riffing on the man-faced dog. Probably, probably. Uh, just a little quibble, and it looks fucking hilarious. What's oh her fa- Hiromu Arakawa is yes. her name. I'm sorry, Hiromu, you deserve respect. Uh, uh, manga is much better than this movie. So anyway, the Show Tucker arc where the Elric brothers, um, as preparation for studying for their uh, state alchemy exam, they to have to pass. Fish- they have to pass yes. their baccalaureate. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, they have to present their 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 thesis paper <laughs> to get their uh, fascist state uh, pocket watch. Yes, and they're the youngest to ever do it because they are at any point somewhere between 12 years old and 19. Uh, yeah. Story can't decide whether they are 12 or 19. Well, so in the manga, I think it's stated several times that at the beginning of the story, uh, Ed is 15 and Al is 14. Yeah, they don't look like 15-year-olds. Uh <laughs> that's a that's a different thing that we can talk about with live action adaptations in general yeah um but but specifically i think what is emblematic of what i'm trying to get at is the show tucker art where in the manga uh they're they're studying for the state alchemy exam they stay with this world famous uh alchemist to study with him and prepare the exam yeah in the manga they stay with him for several months it takes up like eight or nine chapters uh, where they become very close with both him and his daughter. Uh, well, they they kind of bond um, uh, uh, during the process of them kind of studying and also researching uh, how to get their bodies back. Uh-huh. And in the original anime, that whole arc took up uh, uh, two episodes. I think it covered in like 45 minutes. Uh, And then in the Brotherhood remake, they truncated it down to one 25-minute episode. Uh, And now in the movie, they have truncated yet again uh, (laughs) that entire segment of the story down to like 15 or 20 minutes uh, in this movie. Uh, Eddie gets to... uh, He gets to have one flashback. Yeah. Uh, Al gets to actually have a sort of a participatory scene uh, where he is uh, his his CGI avatar is uh, shown to be playing with the little daughter. 
and uh, we get two conversations with my man's, the scientist, and then we get a scene where he's almost beaten to death, and uh, that's pretty. And then he randomly shows up at the end. Uh, okay, so we're talking like uh, ten to twelve minutes of screen time total for the character of Show Tucker. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty uh, a good summation of of why I felt that this movie was both too long and rushed to all hell. Well, before we get, get you know, into the needless minutia of this movie, this it brings me to uh, uh, not, a, not a fourth uh, prong of this trident, but uh, a big aspect of these movies, which is their, the, the folly of ambition, shall we say. Because hubris, I, I believe the word you're looking for is hubris. <laughs> yes, the, the, the man's hubris. <laughs> uh, pride goeth before the fall. And this movie's so prideful, it thinks it can cover uh, essentially a third to a fourth uh, of the entire story of Full Metal Alchemist in a single in a single bound. Whereas, as I explained while we were watching it in my very annoying way where I talk through a movie, especially a bad one, an entire movie, a 90-minute movie, and I swear to God I will continue. I will say it every episode if I have to, but movies need to be 90 minutes. Absolutely. A 90-minute movie, a very solid 90-minute movie could have been made from uh, Eddie and Alpho tracking down the cult leader priest uh, in the beginning of the movie. You could have had a solid ass movie just from that. I don't even want to call it an arc. Uh, just uh, that set of chapters, shall we say? Okay. Well. Okay. So what your problem there comes from? What it stems from is this slavish devotion to trying to hit as many recognizable story beats from the manga or anime as possible, uh, especially in the first one because they didn't know they were gonna they were gonna get sequels Obviously, although that sh- they did really not. should have been obvious uh because the budget was basically zero uh as far as i can tell from the cgi quality they, they, they just, uh, there was uh there was a fair amount of budget i mean they were shooting a lot of stuff uh, a lot of moving parts there a lot of lot of actors a lot of uh sets a lot of cgi yeah but but what i'm saying is they you know it's we're making the Full Metal Alchemist movie. People want to see Full Metal Alchemist, but in live action. So let's just give them that. We'll try and recreate as many recognizable scenes as possible into as uh, tight of a manageable like theater release format as we can. Yes, they uh, which chose. Still the ended up being two and a half hours. They chose the sprint. Yes, I, I yes. understand that. I and <clears throat> and from a pr- production standpoint i i get it i get why you would want to uh do that it's just it's always wrong it's wrong it's literally the objectively wrong choice every single okay but but imagine the movie we could have had if the filmmakers and the producers took the attitude that they're trying to adapt something into the format of film rather than trying to to put a manga on screen, right? We've talked about uh, how it is objectively wrong uh, <laughs> to not try and adapt a work uh, to a new format in some way. Uh, the Shining is our go-to example. Uh, yeah, well, I, I do talk about The Shining quite a lot in terms of adaptations, uh, which is unfair because obviously 
uh, Kubrick is, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, the best to ever do it. Okay, fair. You know, uh, I, I don't want to. Uh, I want to <laughs> give people some grace here. Uh, Kubrick is a, a Titanic monumental name to go up against, but still, he had the attitude right. Uh, you are are making a movie. You're not trying to put something from the page onto screen. That's how I think that you should approach these things, uh, which is not how they did it here. Uh, no, no. Uh, they went play the hits and they let the they let the record spin to the detriment of the movie, the actors, the director, and the audience. Uh, everybody involved was pretty much disrespected <laughs> by every point. Of I mean, movie. Oh, it sucks shit. And, yeah, and, and, and I do respect. There were several instances in the movie where they really tried to go for the practical effect route, and I don't know. That's probably because of budget constraints, but it may be because uh, <laughs> someone in the in the creative crew had like a wild hair up their ass, um, but. The image of gluttony waddling around awkwardly with, like, fake styrofoam, like, giant teeth poking out. (laughs) It was like watching, uh, it was like watching uh, outtakes from a Barney episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's only, like, one and a half seconds in the entire movie, but, uh, yeah, uh, the the gluttony... um, waddling after the running soldiers right at the end yes of the movie. that's exactly the thing I'm, that's yes. what i'm thinking of yes uh, in my mind when i saw that the um uh, curb your enthusiasm music was playing <laughs> that was by far the best piece of the movie it's so good it really makes you think like what if you know what if yeah <laughs> oh anyway that's a that's a that's a bad one that's a real bad yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about Tomie? Oh, boy. Oh, man. I love some Junji Ito. I love some Junji Ito. Who doesn't love Junji Ito? Uh, he's beloved. Classic. Beloved worldwide. Uh, what a goofy guy that is. I mean, uh, you say that, but the, you know, the meme online, the joke is like people always comparing Ito to, to Hayao Miyazaki. You know, um, Ito's such an upbeat, friendly, friendly guy, and everyone loves him, and he makes the most fucked up shit. Well, Miyazaki's a cranky old bastard, and he makes, like, wonderful fantasy movies. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about, and uh, I really don't understand what the uh, what the amusing part of that is, because, like, uh, horror people have always been like that in my experience, uh, you know, not that there's not shitty horror people, but they are the people who are working out, uh, their frustrations, uh, through their art. Whereas, uh, somebody who is so incredibly sincere when they are, when they are putting out stuff like Hayao Miyazaki, like has to be Hayao Miyazaki in real life. Because uh, otherwise the other side doesn't work. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you cannot be that earnest in your artwork and not be that cynical in real life. It, you you have to you have to do it that way or you are crushed under the weight of the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched the... Well, I watched a Tomie movie. Uh, I set out to watch the original Tomie adaptation from 1998. You climbed the mountain, yeah, and you looked for the hermit in the in the secret cave. Uh, but and he wasn't there. He wasn't there. 
No, so I had to settle with the uh, uh, budget version of the hermit at the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> uh, some weirdo dude. And which one did he give you? He gave me Tomie Unlimited from 2011. And this is the um, most recent live-action Tomie. I don't think that's true. I don't it's actually not? think that's true. There are nine Tomie movies, both from theater and uh, television release. Who boy. Uh, and I don't think the 2011 one, well, actually, you know what? I just looked it up and it may be, uh, it is, it is actually the most recent one. Uh, I'll take that back. Damn this motherfucker fact checking in real, I know. in real time. I know. Well, you know, better, uh, better to apologize now than later. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I wonder why after Tobia Unlimited they stopped making these live action adaptations. Could it be something to do with Tomie Unlimited itself? So, so I set out to watch the original one. Turns out that that is incredibly hard to find. Uh, couldn't track it down anywhere online, uh, which is kind of like a weird feeling in this day and age. It's not something that I run into often anymore. Is like just being totally unable to view a particular piece of media. Wow, bragging. Well, I don't think it's bragging. I think it's just like uh, kind of one of those quirks. Lost media used to be a way bigger thing until digiti- uh, digitization, digitization became like a hobby for people, right? Well, yeah, until uh, people decided to pirate everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I could not find this first Tomie movie anywhere. So I settled on watching the only one that I could rent off Amazon, uh, <laughs> which was 2011's Tomie Unlimited. Oh no! Oh no! He paid for it. Oh no! I paid. I paid three whole American dollars for this. Damn, dude! And was it worth it? Mm, no. <laughs> no. 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 Oh, no. No. Um, so this one is notable for being directed by uh, Noboru Iguchi, who up to this point was mostly known as a um, uh, adult film Sentai parody director. <laughs> you know, uh, let's see here. Uh, he has he has such amazing titles under his name as a larva to love. Uh, oh shit! He directed Cat Eye Boy. You've been telling me to watch that. Yes, yes. He directed Cat. He also, I I would say like Machine Girl was probably his most famous movie. He also uh, did Machine Girl. He did a Girl segment. Squad. He did a segment on ABCs of Death. Uh, he's also notable for looking almost exactly like Patton Oswalt, a young Patton Oswalt. Uh, yeah, he does look like a Japanese Patton Oswalt. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should rewatch this movie through that lens. Yeah, you know what's weird is he also did the Flowers of Evil movie, which is uh, he is maybe the most unsuitable person to tackling that uh, particular um, subject matter. That is by uh, a podcast favorite uh, Oshimishizu, uh, who we've talked about extensively when I was talking about Okairi Alice, um, mm-hmm. a dude who spends a lot of time talking and thinking and wrestling with uh gender relations and gender concepts themselves uh, in relation to himself and in his work uh and uh you know handing that off to this dude who uh i'm not gonna say brags but uh, uh talks about 
kidnapping female actors in his movies and forcing them to do nude scenes on set. Uh, just, I don't know. That just seems like a, a weird mix. I don't know. Uh, you know, I will say that the lady that played uh, Tomie in this movie retired from acting uh, after it released. Immediately after. <laughs> uh, immediately after uh, her Wikipedia or IMB, IMBD page says that she got married. Uh, I, I cannot stress uh, how much Perfect Blue is a documentary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot stress uh, that enough. I mean, you know, Satoshi Kone was one of the real ones. Uh, Satoshi Kon, seriously a real one. They killed him for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's not veer into conspiracy theory. <laughs> they took his ass out, just like Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this goes so deep. It is. He really was the Kubrick of anime. Uh, yeah, I can get behind that statement. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, so Tomie Unlimited, uh, directed by uh, a perv, <laughs> is <laughs> the story of Skiko Uzi, uh, Izumikawa and her her sister Tomie, uh, uh, who it's basically an amalgamation of the Tomie series in manga uh, up to that point. You know, Tomie is kind of like this ambiguous evil spirit um succubus almost where she kind of is just this uh entity that kind of infiltrates and permeates people's lives to the point where they get obsessed and and eventually become murderous uh over her attention uh over her body uh over her love right yeah i've always thought of her as sort of a siren yeah a siren basically yeah. And and it kind of she kind of inserts herself into these people's lives in such a way that that she is part of their own story already. Right. So our our main character is a, a Japanese high school girl named uh, Sukiko uh, and Tomie starts off the film uh, as her sister, you know, explicitly related. They grew up together. Yeah. Uh, and the first scene in the movie is Tomie getting impaled by a piece of rebar that fell off of a nearby construction site. Not uncommon thing in anime and manga. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to uh, happen a lot. <laughs> we need to get some fucking Asha standard stat. I know. Uh, the danger of urban development cannot be overstated. <laughs> wow, I wonder if that's an unspoken theme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what metaphor means. Um... And so, you know, the kind of the movie starts off with uh, the conflict being uh, Skiko and her parents, like kind of not being able to come to terms with with Tomie's death. Yeah. Um, but then maybe a quarter into the film's runtime, a, a new transfer student uh, is transferred into uh, Skiko's class. And it is a girl named Tomie with a different last name from her, but looking identical and acting identical to her dead Dude, sister. what? Yeah. And that is kind of like, that's lifted directly from the original manga. This is like, the whole story of this movie is kind of like a pastiche of the themes of Tomie. Um, without being a direct <laughs> adaptation of the original story. Sure. Which uh, we had just said was kind of the correct approach to adaptations, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not faulting it for that. I think it, it, it did a kind of a cool... Uh, approach um, yeah. in the that beginning, regards. the beginning and the end of its uh, uh, successful attempts. <laughs> yeah, uh, where it really falls flat is, um, I mean, I'm just gonna say it, the acting. It's not filled with good actors. Oh no! Uh, but but really, the um, perviness of <laughs> the director uh, seeps into several scenes. Mm-hmm. I can I can't deny that there is a, a film of exploitation over every cell in this movie. Yeah, uh, you know the way certain things are shot, the way certain angles are framed um, with the female characters. If yes. you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. even the even the uh, scene at the beginning of the movie where Tomie gets impaled by a falling piece of metal it's kind of framed as uh, right before the title card drops and uh, Sukiko drops her camera that she was holding and uh, the action of the camera hitting the pavement causes it to involuntarily snap a photo of Tomie's final moment. Yeah. Uh, And the way that is framed is just like a couple degrees off from being an upskirt shot. Right, and she's being... uh, well. Well, she has this giant like piece of metal sticking out that's impaling her from neck to torso. Yes, impossible to ignore that she is being penetrated. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Now, have you seen Sucker Punch? I have not seen Sucker Punch, okay, but uh, uh, <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with yeah, this. And you, yes, yes. Uh, this guy is the Japanese Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for his DC supercut. Yeah. Um, but you know, scenes like, uh, there's a scene where, um, the main character is horrified to open up her bento box at lunch and find that, uh, her, her bento is filled with several tiny Tomie heads that are all laughing at her. Right, right. And so she, she throws her bento in the school dumpster, uh, and then later, her friend goes to investigate a mysterious sound at the dumpster, finds the bento, opens it up, and uh, what can Ew. only be described as a hentai tentacle uh, spurts out of the bento box and penetrates her friend's mouth um, and chokes her to death uh, with its phallic tentacle imagery. What This chick fishes out food from the dumpster. Well, no, she she is walking by the dumpster, hears a mysterious sound, notices a rustling, goes to investigate, um, and then after digging through the trash to find out what the source of the sound is, finds the bento box and opens it. Yeah, isn't that what I said? She digs through trash? Look, we have all walked past dumpsters making mysterious <laughs> sounds. Uh, have any of you ever stopped and dug through the trash? You are supposed to keep I mean, walking. I did once, but I had to get a rabies shot after. Yeah, I bet, because whatever was in there bit you a couple times. You, you are, <laughs> I feel like they teach us this in elementary school. You do not open the dumpster. You do not respond to the sounds. Yeah, listen, if it's in the trash, someone, someone yeah, put it there yeah, for a reason. Yeah, or it lives there, and don't, you're not supposed to bother it. Yeah. That's its space now. <laughs> uh, you know, it, stuff like this just kind of permeates the film. You know, just phallic imagery, uh, specifically uh, genital violence is like a major theme sure, uh, throughout sure. the back half. 
Um, which again, I'm not going to say doesn't like, isn't relevant to adapting a Tomie story. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's thematically relevant, um, and would probably be used to, uh, better effect by someone who, uh, didn't, uh, spend a lot of his career literally directing pornography. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what—that's basically what I'm trying to say is that this movie had a lot of good ideas that were just shot like a porno. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, that was Tomie Unlimited. If we're, should I rank it? Should I give it some stars or like, like what? What, what is the scale we're working on? Okay, well, how about this? Get, tell me about the bad hair, the bad costumes, the bad CGI. Well, that's, okay, uh, bad CGI, uh, I can't fault them on overall because this goes hand in hand with shooting it like a porno, but uh, they relied on some real wet puppets in and, and practical effects. Uh, Hard to hate the that. Point they couldn't anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pro wet puppetry. I have to say I'm very pro wet puppetry. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it, it this case, the wet puppetry was used to, uh, uh a phallic degree, uh, <laughs> in, in the murder of a, of an underage girl. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if that would have been better done as CGI. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But but I actually I do give them kudos for their commitment to uh, practical effects where they could. It did fall apart in the final scenes where they kind of have these um, giant uh, like centipede monsters made out of conjoined segments shaped like Tomie's head. Yeah. Um, and in those segments, they are real bad CGI. Uh, with some real bad CGI blood spurts as they go straight for uh, several people's crotches. Great, um, great. Yeah, Good uh, that was the aforementioned genital violence I was talking about. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's it's in the comparison between these two movies we've talked about, I have to say, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's a uh, an advantage, but obviously horror movies, right? They have mm-hmm. uh, more leeway when it comes to playing around with this stuff, uh, maybe because of the built-in expectations, but also because I think like making well, you something say the, horrifying. The ex- I think it's I think that it's actually uh, the lack of expectations that well, people have I mean. with horror movies. It, you have an expectation going in that uh, like like you are going to have uh, bad CGI. That you are going to have sometimes kind of goofy looking practical effects. Like that's part of the experience of a horror. Movie. It, it it gives you more permission to yourself to suspend reality. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Did you watch Psycho Goreman? I haven't. I haven't yet. Oh, you have got to watch that because it is a masterclass in exactly what we are talking about right now. Okay. Uh I is- have it on DVD. I picked it up at a uh uh, at, a, at a used books not it's, too long ago. It's great. It, the the uh, the the virtuoso use of wet puppets in Psycho Goreman alone is is worth it. I I, I think compared to something like a two and a half hour fantasy uh, quote unquote epic like Full Metal Alchemist is supposed to be, I think Tomia definitely has a leg up. We can see it in the live action Uzumaki as well, where we are much more forgiving of some of the. Uh, let's say goofier shots. It's hard to judge horror in that way. I mean, also because like horror is my preferred genre to begin with. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm biased you know, here. 
I will say, in Tomie Unlimited's credits, it uh, I did like that it kind of went for kind of the introspective ending where the final shot in the movie uh, is is the main character coming to terms with the fact that Tomie is just part of her reality now yeah. and kind of submitting to existing in that reality. <laughs> and so she lets herself be consumed almost in a gentle, like sisterly way sure. uh, by Tomie. And then the final shot is, you know, Tomie walking through the streets of Tokyo and looking on all of these different situations that are like dumb men kind of for lack of a better term simping over women right prey uh, and 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 Tomie is the is the woman in every one of these scenarios right right which uh, you could uh, interpret in a lot of different ways i actually think that's sort of like rich for interpretation I know it's that's kind of what cool really shot. threw me. It kind of had like an art house uh, uh, slant right at the very end. Yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah, you know, it's I like ninety percent, ninety five percent trauma, five percent a twenty four. Oh yeah, uh, sl- a balance that's slightly off. But you know what? It's uh, you could balance those elements to create something unique and interesting. Yeah. Uh, how many bad wigs out of ten? You know what? I can't actually think of any bad wigs uh, other than the ones attached to the wet puppets. How about the metaphorical bad wigs out of 10? Oh, uh, um, metaphorical bad wigs. I'm going to give it a 7.84 bad wigs out of 10. Okay. I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, why don't we, why don't we take a break and, and cool down? Yeah, let's take a break. I gotta, I gotta get this out of my okay. head. dipped our toes a little bit into the live action stuff as we work our way up to the uh Ooh, to the one piece live action show i know um <laughs> it's my understanding that you may or may not have read some manga this last week look week to week we can make the assumption it's pretty safe to say that i may or may not have read some manga okay good to uh, know this week i can confirm i have read some manga more than one okay at the very least because uh you know what um i hate to say this but uh this starfield hype feels kind of forced right oh yeah for sure i have no uh, inclination towards starfield at all it's weird right it feels like very forced to me um the starfield which would i think in other circumstances especially if i was uh, in my much younger days, uh, w- I would immediately consume all my manga time. Just feels, I don't know. There's something off about it. Well, okay. Here's my thing. It's like this is Starfield is coming out in between the release of Baldur's Gate three, which yeah. both of us absolutely loved, adored. Um, yes. 
uh, and and right before the big uh, revamp update and DLC release for Cyberpunk, right? Oh. Yes, uh, which, which I'm more... I am primed for because I <laughs> fucking loved Edge Runners, and I know you did too. I loved Edge Runners. I mean, I I've said it before, but I really think that's probably contender for like best show of like the last I don't know five years absolutely uh it's in the conversation it's in the conversation listen we've talked about it we're we're big simps for studio trigger uh absolutely i can't deny it so yeah that's why i feel starfield is kind of just fine like uh it's a long form space exploration like uh bethesda style like simulation game right yeah uh, skyrim in space yeah, uh, is is how they want people to think of it, even though it's really more like um, I'm thinking of No Man's Sky. No um, Man's Sky. OK, yeah, yeah, sure. It's it's kind of like a less uh, cartoony, like twee version of No Man's Sky. More it's, RPGE it's... No Man's Sky. Exactly. Um, which, sure, there's a niche for. I'm sure people are real excited about about that. Uh, people love playing it, but. You know, it's just like not hitting me right now, uh, especially not in this release landscape. You know, the thing is, if you tell me it's Skyrim in space, um, I'm going like, you took away the dragons? What, oh, what, I mean, they've got to have space dragons. Do you think right? there's space like, dragons? I don't think there. I if I if there's space dragons, somebody tell me. But like. It feels like a big downgrade to me. I don't know. Uh, it would be an absolute waste of money and time if it didn't have Space Dragon, so I don't imagine they would release a game without those. Okay, somebody show me a screenshot of you dogfighting a Space Dragon, and I am way back in. Fuck manga. I will be, I will be playing games again, like, for sure. Uh, but until Absolutely. that moment, I am going to continue binging manga like I have been doing for the last week or so. Okay, so you've you've listed out here some of the stuff that you've been reading. I'm gonna go and ask uh, for your for your views on this, just based <laughs> yeah. on title here. Yes. Uh, uh, in in the uh, spirit of of cutting down on on letting you ramble for eternity. <laughs> Okay, you're gonna muzzle me? I'm gonna muzzle you. This is exactly this woke garbage censorship that uh, <laughs> Elon Musk has been trying to clear from the internet. <laughs> uh, here comes the left arm of the law. Oh boy. Okay, fine. I submit. You happy? All right. Yes, I do. And I would actually really like you to tell yes, me I do. about uh, Spider-Man Fake Red. Oh man, you coming out right? Right with the Marvel shit, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, don't deny that uh, Across the Spider-Verse wasn't, like, the most phenomenal film in the last year for you. No, it's great. I really, obviously, we don't have to talk about it any more than we have because I'm literally just going to repeat myself saying it's good, it's good, it's good again. Uh, You know, Spider-Man Fake Red is a weird thing. Uh, It's about, I guess, what is the canonical Japanese Spider-Man. His name is Yu. Don't even now. Now is this even. a continuation of the '70s Japanese Spider-Man live-action show? I have no idea. Uh, this does take place within a Peter Parker continuity. I don't mm-hmm. know if he existed in the in the live-action Spider-Man. Uh, uh, frankly, because in that one he had a giant Spider-Man uh, like mecha robot. Did he? It was cool. That's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it was a Sentai show. Yeah, I tend to only... The only live-action Spider-Man I really respect is uh, the first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man and uh, Italian Spider-Man. I don't really like uh, exploring out outside of those two realms. Uh, that's fair enough. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give a little wiggle room for the um, uh, 90s Spider-Man cartoon show. I have I have a lot of, it's not live a action, lot of fond bro. memories of that not, one. That's not live action, bro. I know it's not live action. I know. You got to learn how to tell the difference. So <laughs> Spider-Man fake red is a very strange thing. It, it's, it's very ambiguous from the first issue. Uh, it seems to be in Peter Parker, New York setting, right? Um, uh-huh. It's ostensibly in the kind of Peter Parker continuity, but it follows a character, this, uh, this Japanese kid named you, and he's really into rock climbing, right? Mm-hmm. As you are. He has a crush. He has a crush on the hot rock climber girl, this blonde chick, uh, and he does some very classic like manga, uh, nervous protagonist shit with her, obviously. And one day, he just finds a discarded Spider-Man suit, which I have to say, at the beginning of the story, I thought wasn't that big of a deal because, like, if you read Spider-Man or watched any of the Spider-Man, he seems to just leave that shit all over the place. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So he. He doesn't have superpowers, though. Uh, unless he gets them way later, no, I, he does not. So he's just, like, a guy in a Spider-Man costume. He finds the suit. He decides to put it on for fun. Now, this suit does have uh, working web-slingers. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's in, that's in line with standard Spider-Man canon. Yeah, it's pretty standard Spider-Man. Uh, he has the fake web, uh, fake web stuff, not, not his body producing web stuff, which honestly I prefer, but you know, whatever. You like, you like the biological webs from I the Raimi stuff. I love the Raimi biological webs. It's so gross and cool. Uh, because it's, it's a metaphor for, for, for dicks, right? Sure. And what is being a Spider-Man uh, other than just, like, jerking off? Sure. I mean, you know, uh, all those pesky uh, nighttime web emissions. <laughs> he does do it on accident a lot. So he finds the suit, and he puts it on, and people assume he, he's, like, wandering around the town, right? Because he's soaking up the, like, hey, everybody loves Spider-Man. But, again, on the ground, not climbing on walls. No, he cannot climb walls, but... He uh build he ca- he runs into the classic Spider-Man setup where a building is on fire and a kid is trapped in the building, right? And all these people suddenly start begging him to go into the building and save the kid. And he's like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna die." Uh, but I would rather die than be embarrassed. So I will climb. A this very building. Japanese attitude. <laughs> I w- I'm gonna climb this building and rescue this kid. Um, and thank God, uh, he. He manages to do it without dying, and he he learns his lesson. He decides he's not going to put that shit on again because uh, he really comes very close to dying. Um, and I didn't read too far into it, but I did get a little bit into it. And it seems to be uh, the big reveal, the, the setup for the story, is that this is one of the continuities where Peter Parker is infected with the symbiote. Okay. Uh, and it's taking him, it's turning him, it's taking him over. He, he's uh, he's going full. He's becoming an asshole. Black. He is becoming asshole Spider-Man. Uh, coincidentally, the setup for the new game, I guess, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that in the, in the new game, I think the way they're going is, 
Harry Osborn uh, has some kind of connection to the symbiote because he had health problems in that first game, from what I remember. Uh, I barely but, yeah. remember the story. They're they're doing a, a new a new mix up take on the on the symbiote origin. That's eh, fine. Whatever. I, I like Venom. I'm I'm cool with that. So that kind of launches us into a traditional Spider Man story where he has to kind of become the hero uh, in lieu of Peter Parker, who has uh, flipped sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know it it is drawn in uh, a, a a very like Western comic style, which is interesting. It's interesting to see somebody kind of covering uh, the cape shit uh, aesthetic from a manga perspective. I think that's, that right. is interesting about it and it is full color. Well, that's um kind of become like kind of a recent uh, thing. I feel in a lot of manga uh, spaces, uh, you know, in the shonen discussion, right. Is this encroaching uh, American comic influence? Yes. Cape shit is coming into the mainstream. We talked about shy last time. Um, yeah, I mean the two big examples obviously are One Punch Man and My Hero Academia, both yes. very direct references to Western style superhero. Comics. Yeah, and and we talked about those in reference to Shy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and this is so this is this is a strange thing. It's a strange thing. That's why I decided to read it. I didn't get too far into it because um, honestly. Uh, I love Spider-Man, but like I've been there and I wanted to really get into some new stuff. So, so I left it there. Uh, uh, all right. Fr- second pick from your list here. All right. Hit me. Tell me about, uh, I I'm interested in Shukaku no, uh, Junigatsu, uh, because you wrote God shrine maiden two timing. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm specifically interested in, the like meta use of the phrase two timing in manga these days. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, we both just came off of the, um, 100 girlfriends, uh, girlfriend, girlfriend, uh, type thing just. where they specifically, where they specifically refer to, uh, any kind of like a poly additional arranged, uh, relationship well, cheating. as two. Yeah. Cheating. Well, th- th- no, they. It's not cheating though. In several cases, but I they know, still refer to I know, it I know, a- as two timing or three timing or four timing. Yes, I understand. I understand. But that is the implication of two timing. As yes, uh, we can blame the translators if we want, but two timing is cheating. Yes. Uh, well, I'm wondering if that is like a direct, literal translation of the Japanese phrase. It would be hilarious uh, if it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, Somebody let but, me know. But tell me what this one is about. Shukaku no Junigatsu. Uh, butchering that one. This is a weird one. It's a little bit older. This is about a guy uh, who moves to a new town, and uh, he really likes... Uh, he has he maybe this is another weird translation thing but his whole deal at the beginning is that he wants to experience unreality god i i identify with that so much yeah. <laughs> it's i don't know it's very strange it, it's very ambiguous uh how you want to take that but he likes things that aren't uh, that uh, push the boundaries of reality, I suppose. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. you can interpret that in different ways. Uh, the way he interprets it is very strange. He he's hiking around his new town. Um, he's just moved there. He hasn't even gone to school yet. 
He's getting the lay of the land. He he sees an old Shinto uh, gate, uh, as you do. Mm-hmm. He I mean, wanders I've, up to it. I'm just going to say, I've been to Tokyo, and it is actually super easy to just wander onto a to- uh, Shinto uh, gate shrine. Look, I've taken your word for it. Anyway, this dude does, and uh, this chick pops out, um, and she's got fox ears, as they do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, I'm the local god. Uh, you're my husband now. And he's like, okay, cool. Uh, that's dope. As you do. And then she tries to rape him, sort of. Oh, kind oh, of. no. Uh, but like in a funny way. <laughs> it, uh, Please explain to me. Explain to me how she does that in a funny way. It's played as a joke. Uh, and he doesn't take it that seriously, obviously. But uh, he does not concede. And we learn that a little bit later. Uh, he neither consents nor concedes. <laughs> yes, neither one. And this is a this is a big theme for him. He cannot make up his mind. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is. Uh, look, it's Mongo. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, uh-huh, he's, he uh-huh. goes to his first day of school, and uh, the the school princess, uh, a shrine maiden who's very uptight. She comes from a rich family. She carries around. Uh, a big sword or something. Uh, everybody's very wary of her. And uh, she wanders up to him after class and she says, uh, I'm in love with you. Marry me. And he's like, who are you? <laughs> literally who? And yeah, literally who are you? I just came here. But he goes like, okay, yeah, let's date. Hey, uh, is it- you know, I, I want to, I want to say I would be above it, but if, if a beautiful girl just straight up proposed to me, uh, when I was like 16, I I can't say for sure that I would have said no. You know what? To his credit, he late, you know, a little bit later on, because he's still, a, he's, you know, I, I'll give him credit. He's a little shell shocked from this experience, which I, I can't, I can't really blame him. Right. No, uh, no, that's, um, that's this, a weird position to be. In. This is in a very eventful two days in this guy's life. And frankly, like, when he goes to school later, he's not sure if the God thing even happened, which again, I can't really blame him for. That seems pretty weird. Uh, but yeah, no, I would instantly doubt myself. Yeah. Um, but he comes to realize almost like right after school, he comes to realize, no, it, it definitely did happen. She shows up, she's riding her wolf around. She's like, Hey, you didn't forget about me. Right. And he's like, Oh shit. Um, and the other girl's like, I, I can't believe that there's a local God. Uh, and she's manifesting herself and that she also declared you her husband. That's very weird, but I cannot deny the feelings I have for you. Um, so what are you going to do? Are you going to two time us? Uh, are you going to two time the richest girl in, in school and also the local God? And he's like, yes, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I will be doing that. Uh, and they're they're like, like, okay, yeah. All right. Sounds like we got a premise. No, they're both like, well, uh, you gotta decide, buddy. He called their bluff. Yeah, he did. He really did, and they're not happy about it. Well, I gotta be clear. This isn't like a two girlfriends thing, girlfriend girlfriend thing. They are not oh. happy about this. Oh, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> but but they neither of them give up. Uh, but they still do it. They still kind of go along with it. I mean, they're aggressive about it, and like you know, he he has a friend. He makes a friend first day. This dude. And uh, this dude is not like your traditional anime best friend at school. Like he's he seems actually kind of chill, and he kind of tr- he talks our our main man through it. He's like, 
what what are you gonna do here because like this is a really fucked up situation and you you do have to decide at some point uh and our main man goes you know what um no i don't uh balance in all things and our, his friend <laughs> uh, is like he's he's role-playing true neutral yeah and i our friend his friend turns to him like what does that mean that doesn't mean anything you're just chickening out and he's like uh no 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 uh 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 it, it it's my philosophy it's my life's philosophy uh balance in all things uh and these two chicks are like ba- they're balancing each other out uh isn't that i you that know makes sense right? i do like that because i feel like I like the take that Zen philosophy is just kind of a way to uh, self-explain away responsibility for yourself. <laughs> kind of. It is. I mean, this is not a great manga. I, I, I'm not pitching it in, a, in the effort to make you read it. The one element I do like is his friends like, um, do you like these girls? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so. God, that is nihilistic. It's so brutal. Uh, it's very brutal. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a, you know what that reminds me of? Um, uh, that scene in it's always sunny where the episode where Mac and Dennis break up and, and Dennis (laughs) says to D like, Hey, Charlie's coming over. And she's like, I don't care. He's like, yeah, I don't care either. Yes. Yes. It really is like that. It really is like that. Yeah. Um, so that's a weird one. Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't read too much of it, so I'm not sure if he ends up liking them or not. Okay, well, we're running up into our time limit here. I'm going to ask you for one more off this list, and I would like you to, uh, actually, I've been looking forward to this. Please tell me about the hit sequel to the famous children's story, Goodnight Moon. Um, I didn't realize that it was going to be in manga format, but, uh, what is Goodnight World? Oh, boy, here we go. Okay. Uh, you ever play online games? Uh, <laughs> uh, I may or may not have <laughs> have played some games on the internet in the past. Why do you ask? Uh, yeah, when you see those banner ads that are like, sexy girls are waiting to play with you, you always click through. I know you. Oh, well, I mean, I've, I've met several sexy girls doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I respond to those Instagram posts that are like, click here for $5,000, I've always gotten it. <laughs> this is a very strange thing. You are set up at the beginning of the story um, to believe that this is going to be a sword art online situation. Uh, it's an online game. Already off to a bad start. Yeah, our main character is uh, neat. Uh, he spends all his time in the game. He, he, he basically kind of wants to live there because, and now this is an interesting wrinkle uh, that leads to more interesting wrinkles. He's developed like a, a, a surrogate family inside the game. He has like a cool older brother and like loving parents um, who are just players that he has sort of formed a faux guild with. They're known in the game as a notorious, uh, notoriously powerful family. They call them, they literally call them a family. Um, cause they live off on their own. They have like their own little digital, uh, house and they all live together there. Okay. Yeah. In, in the real world, uh, our main character has a little brother who is like three feet taller than him, uh, and is, uh, kind of pretty much ignores him. Uh, he has a piece of shit dad who is like completely crumbled, um, under the pressure of like losing his job, uh, his his mom basically uh, never comes home anymore. He doesn't really even mm. know what she's up to. 
he sees her maybe like once a month. So his life is, it's not great. It's not going So good. he's your average MMO player. <laughs> they spent a lot of time dragging him for that. <laughs> but uh, check this shit out. Okay. All right. Check hit me. this shit out. You know how you never really know the person on the other side of the keyboard? Uh-huh. Well, what if... I mean, no, I don't know that. <laughs> no, you don't know that. You're not familiar with this concept. Yeah, you don't spend enough time online, clearly. Uh, what if the other people on this, the other side of the keyboard were your piece of shit family members? Whoa! Holy shit, dude. Holy shit. Oh, man. Oh, Talk about man. egg on your face. And you don't even know. You're all off having this fun, cool family dynamic, this thing that you've built together in this virtual world that means everything to you and it is the very people who have driven you to neat dumb wow that is okay a lot to take all right all right being serious for a second i can see the the kernel of a good idea there oh yeah you know you know obviously these are characters who for whatever reason can only truly express their their feelings towards each other as a family through the filter of of being a game like in the game right? yes they have to they express... can only love each other as a family when they're pretending to not be themselves yes exactly exactly which is a very interesting premise it's what drew me in to begin with i i think it's yeah. really cool uh and there is a lot of uh i i, I will say uh emotional maturity to the way it deals with some of those those themes which i again very much appreciate i think someone on the back end of this thing is uh like actually cares about telling an interesting story now uh you know uh for uh the interest of uh full disclosure this goes very off the rails uh we're talking like world ending uh computer viruses uh we're talking about uh digitizing people's brains uh, we're talking about uh, AI that are so advanced they don't know their AI. Uh, it we're all over the place. Um, just just so you know, but there there is a core here that is interesting. It's interesting and cool. Okay. Yeah. Now it's a the first thing that comes to my mind. I wonder how it compares to something like Summer Wars. Have you seen that? Yes, of course I've seen Summer Wars. What a classic. Okay. I've even seen it with an audience. Well, all right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think that kind of touches on some of the, the same themes, right? So you have, it's a family story about um, a family that is supposed to be incredibly close-knit to each other. And for whatever reason, uh, several of them are are outsiders to the family. The main examples being the the villain character who is like the the black sheep cousin who went off and and developed this world-ending computer ai virus yes for yes. uh the evil american cia <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way um the evil computer virus in this uh this manga also developed for the cia oh hell yeah 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 pretty cool right <laughs> yeah uh and then you have you know in summer wars you have the um the the little kid character who's kind of like the introvert uh you know shy one but online they're kind of like this famous like e-gaming celebrity yes 
and then you have the the literal outsider to the family who is our audience character um who you know uh this girl has invited him to pretend to be her boyfriend because she thinks that her grandma's dying oh, right brutal brutal uh classic 80s boner comedy <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> Uh, but I'm wondering how it compares to the themes of that movie where it is about this family uh, coming together uh, in spite of this this separation of of digital world to real world where there's like a generational gap in, you know, in how they communicate with each other. Yes, uh, there definitely is a lot of overlap in these themes. You know, they spend a lot of time. And here's what I like. Uh, it's not just uh, a condemnation of like people who want to live through the medium of a video game. There's a lot of time spent discussing like why people would want to do that, and uh, you know the the things that people can get out of spending a lot of time uh, socializing in a video game, uh, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. I, I like when people are are able to uh, articulate nuance. Uh, when they're when they're making very grand statements like uh, uh, online games are bad, <laughs> like you know, I'm not even uh, necessarily opposed to a statement like that. Uh, a lot yeah, of no, online that's games like are an bad. objectively true statement. <laughs> it's um, not. That's not. There's no nuance to that one. Online games are objectively bad. I certainly wouldn't say they are objectively good. I would. I couldn't bring myself <laughs> to say that. Um, but yes, there is a lot of overlap and there is a lot of overlap, uh, with, uh, people, um, having a difficult time expressing themselves in real life where, uh, through a medium like that, they are able to be more honest with themselves and others, I guess I could say, uh, without spoiling too much. (laughs) So where does it go wrong? Um, I would say when they, this tries to tackle, uh, big concepts, uh, not in, uh, the capital C way uh, in in the uh, we have suddenly escalated the stakes to world ending fantasy bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, and most of the time when that happens, and it happens uh, very frequently with the manga I read anyway, it tries to maintain enough. It, keeps, it tries to keep one foot on the ground just enough to maintain those original themes and still... Uh, keep contact with those things so it can have something to say about people on an emotional level, whereas uh, the rest of itself is sort of drifting off into, you know, anime bullshit. Sure. As we say many, many times on this show. uh, The dreaded anime death spiral. Yeah, the dreaded anime death spiral. Uh, Losing control uh, completely and surrendering yourself to the anime bullshit. Yeah, uh yeah I, I i like it i like it i it's not good in that way that i'd be like you need to run out and read this uh but i i i'm very sympathetic to it uh does that make sense uh i yeah no i yeah. i get you i get yeah. i get the the way you're approaching this now you you said that this is isekai con very very wrong is it like are, is it an isekai are they trapped in the game world at any point it is <laughs> difficult to explain that uh not just from a spoiler (laughs) perspective but from a literally the the mechanics of how this works perspective i don't have the tautological techniques to really explain (laughs) this in depth to you it's like like i I think i said earlier like do you do you want to like uh get through an introduction to phenomenology um (laughs) 
I will say this this attempts something that I have never seen an isekai do before in that it tries to supersede the entire real world with a fake world, which is fascinating in its own right and not even like conceptually uh, what's actually happening. Like that is my that is my attempt at being concise at something that does occur later. Uh, but uh-huh. it is not even that. That is not even true uh, to what is happening. I really cannot explain in a literal way what is happening in this manga. <laughs> All right. Uh, so maybe you like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say that it's not intriguing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I've got so much, so much of this live action stuff that you've put on my plate that I need to get through before I can even look at the printed page you, again. And you've got to get back into fate. you got to finish up that stuff. Uh, or I do. I need to get back into fate as well. Yeah, or I will punish uh, it you. It just keeps piling up. Hey, there's a lot of it. But, uh, hey, and there's more to come, baby. All right. Uh, just, to, just to finish it out, I will be interjecting here because star, spelled with a star instead of an A, by the way. Oh, shit. Are you dropping a secret fourth recommendation on me? I am. And this one's personally for you. I uh, so I okay. I couldn't in good conscience roll away from this without without giving you this gift. Uh, star with a star for an A colon strike it rich is about uh, buff MMA girls. Uh, <laughs> Sold. Yeah. Say no more. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you know what? I this mean, is <laughs> this is a good one. This is like a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool as hell. It's fucking weird, and it it goes a little too far with. Some weird shit, but uh, it's cool. It's cool and good. Uh, all right, give me, uh, give me the, give me the soundbite. Um, the most dangerous high school girl in the world. All right, hell yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it. hell yeah, dude. Hell. Okay, yeah. that one's going on the list. Yeah, I mean the comparison I did make earlier was Bach. It is, it is gender swap Baki, but that doesn't even really do it justice. Uh, it is its own distinct thing, uh, and it's cool. Uh, all right, that's um, you know, uh, just the way you describe it, it makes me think of that uh, that uh, girls MMA manga I read a while ago. That's why I uh, that that's why about. I wanted to get it in okay. there because it's it's yeah, a figured. lot like that, uh, except both goofier and more brutal. Okay, yeah, uh, we got some teeth smashing. Someone get their their uh, bell clocked. Uh, people get fucked up. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. All right. All right, I'm going to go read this right now then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. uh, don't uh, don't knock for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I know you like this one. Okay. All right. I'll read this. I'll uh, I'll come back and, and let you know my what I thought of it next time. All right. All right. Let's wrap up Anime Death Spiral so that you can immediately get to your private your private space uh, and be uh, alone. I just need some alone time, please. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some more live action stuff going forward. I really want to like I really want to dive in here and get the get this shit under our belt, um, and then we'll get to the One Piece stuff because I I am we have a great angle on the One Piece shit. So you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna tune in for that because uh, it's gonna be well. You bizarre. better get in there, man, because uh, I got two episodes on you at this point. I know, and I know you, you slow down, just slow down. I'm, I'm gonna get there. I'm going to get there, okay? (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, handsome and beautiful listeners, go watch some live-action anime. Yeah. It'll do do your brain some good. Uh, I can't say that it'll kill you, so you might as well do it. It won't kill you. It'll only make you stronger. 
Or as uh, the anime Joker would say, it'll only make you weirder. (laughs) Did he say that? Who cares? I don't know. We'll talk to you (laughs) next week. Bye. Bye. In the middle of you talking, I will just fade you out. (laughs) It's just until I start talking. You know what? I don't listen to the show, so I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't even know.